Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Sunbelt. I'm your host, Dave Schultz, host of Afternoons on Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP, covering the South Alabama Jaguars. And before that, doing mornings on 103.7 The Game in Lafayette, Louisiana, covering the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. This episode of Locked On Sunbelt is brought to you by Sling TV. Sling has something for everyone, especially when it comes to college football coverage, with a massive lineup of games across the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and SEC, I can always catch the games I want on Sling, and now you can too. Check out Sling TV now to see the massive lineup of games they have all season long. Sling, the TV you love for a price you love. Try it today. We will be joined today by Luke Creasy, the Marshall beat writer for the Herald-Dispatch in Huntington, West Virginia, and I'm not sure how this happened, but Marshall actually beat Notre Dame. They didn't look very good against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, which we will get to, uh, but we will uh, talk to Luke about the Marshall program uh, and uh, and what's going on with the Thundering Herd a little bit later on, and we will also recap, we'll do our own little recap of uh, the Cajuns and Marshall uh, as well. Did have a good week uh, last week after a subpar week a couple of weeks ago. Did go four and one this past uh, week. Uh, Georgia, the Georgia State game was the only one I did not have. I picked Georgia Southern, although Georgia State was favored. It was 34-30. to 30. I did pick Texas State to cover, although not to win. They beat App State 38-26. Uh, James Madison over Arkansas State, uh, 42-20. Took a little, James Madison a little bit of time to get going, but they did. Uh, they stay undefeated. Troy, kind of a surprise win, blows out Southern Miss. I thought 6.5 was a lot. I still took the Trojans, 27-10. to 10. And I took ULM uh, covering against Coastal Carolina. Coastal actually got shut out in the second half. I'm not sure how Chandler Rogers goes 27 to 30 and they lose the game. But that's what happened. There was a goal line stand uh, early in the third quarter by Coastal uh, Carolina. Louisiana, South Alabama, Old Dominion, and Marshall were off. Louisiana and Marshall played last night. So let's talk about that football game right now. Uh, Louisiana takes down Marshall 23-13, Ben Woolridge starts the whole ball game for uh, the Cajuns. And a little bit back and forth to begin with. I didn't think a great uh, idea by uh, the Cajuns to uh, go forward on fourth and four early in the ball game. It did not come back to hurt them uh, as Marshall misses a field goal uh, after that possession. Marshall does take a 73 lead into the half. Um, Columbia, the... Um, Quarterback for Marshall took a, a Malachi crunch hit right at the end of the half. Comes back to play the second half. Throws an interception to begin the second half. Uh, Braylon Trahan, who's been at, who's been with the Cajuns forever. I'm pretty sure I saw him play in high school, uh, and now he is, uh, I think, in his sixth year with the Cajuns. Uh, he has an interception, the 11th interception of the year for UL, and they returned it to about the 40, and then they went three and out. Except. Marshall lines up over the center on a punt. That's a penalty. I think they had to go for like, you know, fourth and half a yard, and they got it. Then they go down and score a touchdown. For all intents and purposes, that was the end of the ballgame. The Cajuns go on to win 23-13. Marshall got a late touchdown. But for the most part, we'll see if now UL can can get it going, right? I know the it felt like in Lafayette the sky was falling, but they'd only lost two ball games by seven points combined at ULM, and they fought all the way back uh, to tie it up against South Alabama, uh, and they lose on a late field goal because of a couple of couple questionable decisions. But nonetheless, uh, 
We'll see if that makes a difference uh, moving forward. Cajuns are now three and three uh, overall, and they are one and two in uh, the conference. All right, so they still are a couple of games behind uh, South Alabama, but certainly has to feel good after losing three in a row. Louisiana gets a win over Marshall. They will host uh, Arkansas State. As for Marshall, you'll hear what's wrong with them. It is a, They seem to be a totally different football team, having all kinds of issues moving the football. Not bad defensively, but something's not quite right. It is not the same team that beat Notre Dame. Uh, no uh, chance. All right, so that game was played on Wednesday. I did in the podcast, if you want to call me out, I did pick... Uh, Marshall, because I thought they would win the football game, and then as I was actually doing the pick, I thought 10.5 was too much. So I did tweet it out that I think Marshall still wins the game, but I picked uh, the Cajuns uh, to cover 27-20, and they actually won the football game. I was actually going to do a 10 because you got 10 and a hook. I was going to say like 31-21, but I didn't think the Cajuns would – I wasn't sure Marshall would score all that much. Uh, and turns out that the Cajuns scored exactly uh, in that ballpark. So do go uh, 1-0 and on the picks as of uh, yesterday. So let's continue to uh, preview uh, Week 7, technically, I guess. We already have uh, the Cajuns uh, beating Marshall and obviously covering uh, the 10.5, 23-13. By the way, these lines are from betonline.net. I think that South Alabama line is big. I do. I'm going to be a homer about it, admittedly. Uh, I think ULM is pretty good. They may be different on the road than they are at home. They almost took down Coastal Carolina last week, but they did kind of get blown out by Arkansas State. Uh, this would normally be a trap game for South Alabama with uh, the battle for the belt on a short week against Troy on Thursday, but ULM down South Alabama. They could not stop them last year. It was 41-31. Uh, they just could not get a stop to get back in the football game. And uh, South Alabama lost one of the few times last year outside of the Tennessee ball game that they were outcoached and outplayed. So I don't think Kane Womack and company are going to allow that to happen. I'm going to say like 38 to 20. And if South Alabama plays really well, they'll tack on another touchdown. But the offense for South Alabama has not been clicking. It didn't click against Louisiana Tech. They had plenty of opportunities in the first half, could not convert. And obviously, they had all kinds of issues against the Cajuns. We'll see if they can get their running game uh, going again, which has uh, struggled. Uh, it did last week against uh, the Cajuns, or a couple weeks ago against the Cajuns. Uh, James Madison going against Georgia Southern, probably their stiffest competition uh, to date. The Dukes getting in the top 25. Georgia Southern has played a bunch of close ball games, but lost three out of four. You know what? I'm going to take the Dukes. Let's see if the Dukes are for real. That's a big spread, 11 and a half. But I'm going to take the Dukes. James Madison has... The best offense and the best defense in the conference. I'm going to stay with uh, the Dukes going on the road to take on Georgia Southern. Another big spread. Troy's at home taking on Texas State. Uh, Did have uh, Jake Spavadol, head coach of the Bobcats, on the podcast earlier this week. I think Troy will win. I think Texas State covers. I think this has, uh, you know, 31-17 kind of written all over it. We'll see how good Troy is. I think they are, you know, kind of... Not scary good, but a secret good? Is that the word I'm looking for? Um, that's not it. Uh, sneaky good. That's it. Sneaky good is the, is the phrase I was looking for. Uh, but I think Troy will win. South Alabama wins and setting up a big showdown for basically the Western Division. 
Troy's already got a loss in the Sun Belt. South Alabama doesn't. If they both win, um, and then, you know, the winner of that ballgame is going to really take control of the division. All right, Southern Miss uh, licking their wounds after their loss at Troy. Uh, I'm going to take Southern Miss hosting Arkansas State. Uh, Southern Miss, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to take Will Hall's Golden Eagles uh, to win and cover. Coastal Carolina, 10-and-a-half-point spread. Early morning, it's on ESPNU Saturday morning, taking on Old Dominion. Old Dominion off last week. I'm going to take Coastal here. It feels like Vegas has caught up. Normally, I think this would be a much bigger line, but I think I'm going to take Coastal uh, to get the win and cover the 10.5. I will warn you, I have been hurt by the hook uh, many times this year going both ways, whether I needed uh, you know someone to cover the 3.5, uh, either the, the, the winning team or the losing team. So it has screwed me uh, a, a few times this year. But I'm going to take Coastal Carolina uh, in this case. Uh, overall dominion um let me see what my totals are here so i went uh six and one two and five four and one i am 12 and a seven so far uh on the few weeks that i've been doing this all right so pretty good with uh the picks i have one and all already this week i did change it you can see the uh, the tweet it did uh, it did get out before the game started although on the podcast i beat i did pick marshall so i had uh, the cajuns were taking south alabama to cover the 17 against ulm james madison 11 and a half on the road against georgia southern troy to win but texas state to cover the 16 and a half southern miss to win and cover the four and a half coastal at home uh to win and cover the 10 and a half should be noted georgia state app state are on wednesday We'll talk about them later on in uh, the week. Okay, uh, let's take a timeout. We will come back. We'll talk to Luke Creasy from the Herald-Dispatch in Huntington, West Virginia. What happened on Wednesday against the Cajuns and what has happened since Marshall takes down the mighty Notre Dame Irish in South Bend because it has not been the same uh, football team. You are listening to Lockdown Sunbelt, your conference every day. This episode of Lockdown Sunbelt is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season. Underdog Fantasy is easy to get started and even easier to play while you're watching your favorite team play. Didn't like anything in the college ranks? I'm going to the pros. I like Joe Burrow over 252 and a half yards, and I really like Jamar Chase, 79 and a half receiving yards. I will take both of them higher. You too can go to Underdog to make your own picks just like I did. Sign up with the promo code LOCKEDON, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code LOCKED, one word. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome back to Locked On uh, Sunbelt, your conference every day. 
Uh, thrilled to have on Luke Creasy. He is the uh, beat writer from the Herald Dispatch for the Marshall Thundering Herd. They came up short on uh, Wednesday night against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns 23-13. Uh, Luke, why don't you just recap that football game? Because it was an odd football game throughout. Yeah, uh, well, let's start with with the Wednesday night. That hadn't happened in Huntington for a long time. I, I know Marshall had a had a Thursday night against App State last year in, in non-conference um, before they joined the Sun Belt this year. But, uh, you, you know, still about 20,000 fans uh, came out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Decent crowd for uh, for a weeknight game in Huntington. Um, but, uh, you know, it's their blackout game. They debuted some new black helmets. Uh, the with the black uniforms they've been wearing um, sparingly over the past few years. But, uh, you know, I came out and and dictated uh, the pace on defense. Um, that's not uh, something that that uh, is unfamiliar territory for Marshall. Um, they came into that game not having allowed an offensive touchdown the past two games. Um, and uh, both the, the touchdowns scored in the previous two games were defensive touchdowns uh they a fumble return for a touchdown against troy and then a, a pick six for gardner webb um but uh so so defense came out and dictated the pace and, and the offense got a big play um that set up a touchdown drive and um i mean that is something that the herd has been missing is the big play on offense and it's um they've uh backed themselves up into some third and long second and longs and the playbook gets significantly smaller when you're in those uh, long down situations. Um, and, and when Marshall's offense gets predictable, um, it, it goes stale. Um, because if you're in third and 12, everybody in the stadium, everybody watching on ESPN2 knows you're going to pass the ball. Um, and so uh, when Marshall's offense gets predictable, uh, it, it can't get the ball moving very well. Um, I think when they started to have success, they were in those uh, shorter downs that, you know, when you're efficient on first down, it makes that second and third down easier. Um, and, but, uh, they've, they've had trouble being consistently offensive side and, um, it's a big reason why they're one and three in their past four games after a big win at Notre Dame. All right. So there are some interesting decisions and we had, you know, like you said, 20,000 or so, and that had to do with, you know, threatening weather, which came right at halftime and then in mm -hmm. the fourth quarter. Uh, so I thought the crowd was pretty good, like you said, for a Wednesday, uh, it was interesting. Mike Desimo, apparently. Uh, apparently using the Brian Harson game of school management going on it for a fourth and four when Marshall had like one first down in two possessions that led to a missed field goal attempt, uh, but it did flip the field. And then Marshall with just a brutal penalty coming out of hat, you know, they, they got stopped and then they stopped the Cajuns and then they lined up over the punter after they, you know, after they actually threw an interception and the Cajuns did nothing with it. That penalty led directly to a touchdown and, I guess for all intents and purposes, the game was over because Marshall never did anything offensively after that. Yeah, it really changed the game. Um, going back to that that interception thrown by Henry Columbia, um, kind of was under some pressure, just jacked the ball up in the air towards Talit Keaton, who was in double coverage. The ball ended up underthrown, intercepted, returned to about the 40-yard line of Louisiana. Um, and so, you know, you're setting up a team that, moved the ball pretty well uh, with good field position. And then, you know, after that penalty, of, of course, you know, if you don't have that penalty, you get, you get, you get the ball back and you still have a lead. Um, instead, the next play goes for 34 down to the Marshall 15 yard line. Um, and then there was another penalty after that, that put him down 
um, you know, even closer in a goal-to-go situation. And uh, they take the lead there. Um, and on a really well-thrown ball by uh, Ben Woldridge, um, who's the backup quarterback for Louisiana, who got the start last night. Um, and, you know, from there, Marshall didn't get the lead back. And, you know, it, it, it changed the game. Um, that, that turnover did, but, but especially that penalty, um, you, you started to, to make Louisiana feel like they had a chance to win that ball game, and, and they did. Now, I presume uh, Columbia is okay because he got uh, – you love when I make a 46-year reference in the Malachi Crunch, but he literally did get crunched by two defenders right at the end of the first half uh, and both legal hits, right? I mean, he bounced off one and bounced off yeah. the other, and, and neither one of them used their helmet. And he was down. Obviously, he was okay. Did anyone say anyone say anything? So I don't want to blame the interception on that hit, but did anyone yeah. say anything? He was replaced to begin the fourth quarter, but I presume that was for – play and not uh anything else yeah um well it, it marshall's quarterback situation is weird um mm -hmm. if i'm honest because uh you know you bring in a guy like henry columbia who's a sixth year senior um he's this is his third school he's played at utah state played at texas tech the past couple of years and comes to marshall for his final year of eligibility and he's got more experience than the rest of the quarterback room combined when he when he arrives in Huntington. Um, Let's just call it what it is, uh, because behind Fancher, there's a bunch of or behind uh, Columbia, there's there's a redshirt freshman in Cam Fancher um, and uh, and a bunch of true freshmen. Which and, one is? Um, you so who's one of the freshmen behind him? Cole Pennington. Yeah, he's got a famous name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And especially yeah. in Marshall. Yeah. 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 Um, and but, uh, you know, it was Cam Fancher who who came into the game last night. And he's actually played in all six um, games now for the herd. Um, it, it started, you know, he played in a blowout win against Norfolk state, which you kind of expect that, uh, Marshall actually played all six quarterbacks on the roster in that game, uh, which I have <laughs> never seen before. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was weird. Line. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but, uh, then, you know, you don't think too much into that because it's a blowout game. You don't want your, your starter hurt. And so you expect to see backups in that situation, but, um, I think it kind of turned some heads when when he came into the game in the red zone uh, against Notre Dame. Um, th there were some design packages for Fancher there, and uh, Columbia had put together a drive, and Marshall's you know inside the the fifteen yard line, and uh, he gets pulled out of the game, and and Cam Fancher goes in and runs a couple draws and an incomplete pass, and they settle for a field goal twice in that Notre Dame win. Um, Fancher came in near the red zone and. Uh, it happened again in Bowling Green. Uh, Fancher comes in at a crucial point in the game. Marshall was uh, inside um, the last couple minutes in a tie game, a third and seven. And uh, Fancher, again, comes in for Henry Columbia, um, you know, in crunch time. And so, um, you know, Huff last night uh, was about as transparent as I've heard him be about the quarterback situation. Um, you know, we've all heard the old saying, like, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Um, Marshall's got and, six. <laughs> yeah, Marshall's got six. Uh, but, but, but Marshall's got two that, that, that play. And, and they've got packages for both. And, you know, he was asked if there was a quarterback controversy after the, the loss last night. And he said, I think the word controversy comes into play when you have a cemented starter who then struggles. 
Um, but Marshall doesn't have a cemented starter, I don't think. Um, and, and I think the the more the season goes on, the more you start to realize that Huff's okay with using two quarterbacks. And um, but you know his health, I think, is a concern because he actually um, the last home game, the last game against Gardner Webb, um, left the, with an injury in the first half. Um, he his knee hit the turf pretty hard. Um, and he left and didn't come back in that game. Huff said he could have, but Marshall was content to run the ball. They had a lead, and so, um, but uh, yeah, it goes down again late in the late late in the first half last night. And you know, maybe maybe if I'm uh, Henry Columbia, I ask Cam Fancher to play this last couple minutes of the first half because it doesn't seem to be going too well for him. Let's take a timeout. We'll be back with more with Luke Creasy, the Marshall Thundering Herd beat writer for the Herald Dispatch. You are listening to Lockdown Sunbelt, your conference every day. We're talking to Luke Creasy with the Herald Dispatch beat writer for the uh, Marshall Thundering Herd. All right, so whatever's happened, and, and tell us what's happened, because since the Bowling Green game, this team has not been the same. This can't be the same team that meet, beat Notre Dame, right? Because Bowling Green, well, sorry, but they're just not that good. They do have a win over Akron, but they're not a very good football team. They got blown out by Buffalo. Uh, and so how do you go from beating Notre Dame in South Bend to losing in overtime to Bowling Green. What has happened to the Marshall Thundering Herd over just what was a couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about this before we started the recording, but uh, it just looks like a different football team. That um, They're not playing with as much confidence um, and they're not playing with as much cohesion on the offensive side. And I think that has a lot to do with the offensive line play. Um, you know, there's been some inconsistencies with the quarterback play, but they've been under a lot of pressure these last four games. Uh, when you, when you, when you date back to, to the first two games of the season, um, Marshall gave up, I think it was three or four combined sacks, um, in those two games and, and Columbia took credit for those, but, but it had a lot to do with the game plan. I think Marshall, uh, has run the ball really well this year. Um, we got Kaylin LeBourne, who's one of the best in the country, um, at what he does, but, uh, they haven't been able to throw the ball with consistency since about halfway through the first quarter of Bowling Green. Um, because, you know, the, the pass protection just isn't there. And it, it, it's, it's a slew of mistakes, I think, on the offensive side, but it uh, has a lot to do with the offensive line who, does, uh, who, who lost their coach um, right before that Bowling Green game. Um, so after Notre Dame, we're coming off the big win uh, about a day before the team travels up to Bowling Green. Uh, the news comes out that Eddie Morrissey had left the program for personal reasons. Uh, was the official answer given um, when asked about that departure. And uh, just since then, it, it doesn't seem like the offensive line is playing with the same intensity. Now, that has a lot to do with mental mistakes that have backed them up, penalties, false starts, um, you know, things like that. Uh, holdings have been big and put Marshall in, in long-down situations. And when it's third and 15 and everybody in the stadium knows you're going to throw the ball, um, Marshall's pass protection can't hold up. And it's forcing quick throws. It's forcing checkdowns, um, and, and it's kind of also creating an interesting situation when you're looking at it and be like, okay, well they know we're going to throw, so let's run a draw play on third and twelve and see what happens. Um, and that doesn't ever really end well um, on a third and long situation. So <clears throat> it's got a lot to do with the offensive line play, but but the offense as a whole um, is very one dimensional right now. Um, Kalen LeBourne, transfer from Florida State, uh, former five-star guy, been out of college football for a couple of years. 
but he comes in to Marshall and, and takes over for uh, Rasheen Ali, who has yet to see the field this year. Well, that was a big story um, right at the beginning of the season. Tell us, tell that was the next question. Uh, yeah. So tell us about Rasheen Ali. Didn't he lead the nation in rushing touchdowns last year? And he hasn't taken a snap all season. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he led the nation and rushing or was tied for the nation's lead in rushing touchdowns mm. uh, with 23. And he also caught one and returned to punt for or returned to kickoff for a touchdown. Um, so 25 total touchdowns as a freshman last year. And um, yeah, he hadn't seen the field uh, this year. And, and it's um, a mix of uh, some personal reasons and, and I think some, some lingering injury problems. Um, but, uh, you know, th- there's no word about when or if he'll see the field this year. And I think um, you know, they kind of struck gold through the portal uh, with Kaylin LeBourne, um, who last night uh, for the fourth time in six games took over 30 carries. Um, so he's taken a big workload for the herd and it's kept the offense uh, at least moving, um, maybe not as efficiently as they might have hoped because he's, he's ending up with, with 115, 120 yards a game. Uh, but on 30 to 35 carries, it's it's not as impressive as as it looks on, on, on paper. We're talking to Luke Creasy, Herald Dispatch, a beat writer for Marshall. All right. So everybody, you know, basically knows Marshall uh, from the movie and, and yep. you know, the tragedy back in the 70s. And then we get uh, Chad Pennington and Randy Moss. And some of us <clears throat> may have made a few bucks on on uh, those teams uh, back in the late <laughs> night, back in the late 90s as they were going yep. over and, you know, unstoppable offensively. Uh, but what's it been since, and how did Marshall get into uh, the Sun Belt? How did how did that all come about? I think that history um, as a national brand and and college football power back in the '90s um, had a lot to do with their acceptance into the Sun Belt. You know, uh, the Sun Belt is a strong conference um, in terms of football, uh, probably stronger this year than it ever has been. One of the strongest uh, non-autonomy five, ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, that kind of thing. Um, outside of those big power five conferences, um, it's probably the Sun Belt after, after that. Um, you look at the, the, the quality of, of uh, work that uh, those programs have put together and, um, and brought to the table. And I think Marshall brings a strong presence to the table still. Um, you know, the past few weeks have been a little rough uh, on the team and the fan base as a whole. But, uh, you know, you, you look at, um, you know, being able to draw 20,000 on a Wednesday night, uh, being able to, um, you know, to put together a win like Notre Dame. And that, that week, too, for the Sun Belt was fun because you had App State that knocked off uh, Texas A&M and uh, Nebraska falls to, to Georgia Southern and, um, that was a crazy week too in, in Sunbelt play, but, you know, I think that's the kind of, uh, you know, thing they bring to the conference and I uh, mean, it's just a much better landing spot than conference USA. Um, I think it excited the fan base, uh, to, to be in a conference like this. And, um, and how about James Madison coming out of right. nowhere? Not, not nowhere. really coming out of nowhere. Cause, cause they, you know, you, you don't play th- that high level at FCS, um, if you're not a great football program and i think that's what the sunbelt has added is good football programs um that, that that can win and know how to win it's not only winning but they got the best offense in the sunbelt and the best defense in the sunbelt they have one bad quarter all season so far and that was the second quarter against App yeah. state <laughs> yeah yeah and and they, and they made up for it 
Yeah, they certainly have. Yeah, they certainly did. All right, let's wrap it up here with Luke Greasy from the Herald Dispatch. Tell us about Charles Huff uh, down here in Mobile. You know, Alabama fans are familiar with him being on Nick Saban's staff. I think he was up for the South Alabama job, but that went to Caden Womack, someone who had been with uh, South Alabama before. So Charles Huff gets the Marshall uh, job. What's it like being the head coach? Uh, you know, what is it in Huntington, West Virginia? You know, yep. what what's it what's it like being in, in that uh, small community um, in West Virginia? I as, I, as the Marshall I, head coach. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit, it, it could be a little bit of a culture shock at first. Um, you know, when you're coming from big programs, not only was he at Alabama, spent some time at Penn State, you know, he, he, he's in these big time storied college football programs and and comes to, to Huntington for his first head coaching gig. And, and the thing about Marshall University is that it's very um, family oriented. I'll put it that way. Um, close knit because of, you know, some of the struggles that the program has been through, obviously the tragedy in 1970, you look at that and how the community rallied around the university and responded to that, bringing back football that next year. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, the, the community's pride and joy around here. And so it, it's, um, you know, you might not have the, the level of expectation that comes with, with the big programs, you know, Marshall's not going to play for a national title every year. Um, whether, you know, Chad Pennington's kid starts or not. Um, they're not going to play for national title like they did in the 90s. It's just not uh, going to happen in this day and age of college football. Um, but, but there is an expectation uh, to win still. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, that, that Huff has seen that and, and kind of uh, started to, to really know in his second year with the program um, a, a little bit more about the expectation. But, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's a job that I think you look at from the outside and see it as a stepping stone uh, for, um, you know, a jump to a bigger university, a bigger head coaching gig. Maybe maybe you jump to power five. And and there's certainly been, uh, you know, stuff go through the rumor mill about Huff interviewing for other positions um, after. And those, you know, those reports seem to surface after big wins like at Notre Dame um, or, you know, when Marshall was, um, you know, going into it to a bowl game against Louisiana last year and played a, a nationally ranked team close. And, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, I think it's a good first head coaching job, um, for, for Huff and, you know, kind of gives him a taste of, uh, of, of some big expectations that you might see at other programs, but, uh, on, on a much smaller scale. All right. I don't know how true the movie is, uh, to the story. Uh, but on mm -hmm. a side note, I'm presuming beating Xavier is the true part of the story. Yes. Although I'm not sure about the play at the end. I will say the that coach the true at the end. Okay. The, um, yeah, the play's true. The, the coach of Xavier uh, on the sidelines, I don't think it is speaking part, but is Dorsey Levitt, uh, former Irish, wow. Georgia Tech, and Green Bay Packer, and went to my rival high school at the same time I did. Well, there you go. <laughs> he's, he's from central. He's from central New York and went to Nottingham High School. I went to James Will Dewitt. So, so I don't get to speak. I don't get any lines, but he was definitely yeah. the head coach. S some of the cameos in those coaching staff were actually um, some members of the Young Thunder, Thundering Herd too. Um, oh, nice. So, so a lot. So some of those guys that played in that game against Xavier were, were able to be uh, cameos. And Red Dawson, um, who was of course the. Um, you know, came back to, to help coach the young thundering herd. Right. Um, he, he is a staple at, at Marshall home games, tailgates right outside the, the main entry gate. Um, and he, he's, he, he's beloved in the community for sure. And then the AD there went on to be, Oh no, the head coach went on to, to run Navy he was the AD at Navy forever. 
Yep, Jack Lingle. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. actually in, in the Hall of Fame at both schools. So oh, there you go. Uh, it, it, it was kind of a full circle moment for him last year when Marshall opened at Navy. Oh, um, wow. Had a big win uh, uh, over the midshipmen. I think they beat him 49-7 to um, in the season opener last year. And Lingle was honored on the field before that game. So kind of a full circle moment. Pre- pretty cool for him. Luke Creasy from the Herald Dispatch talking a Marshall Thundering Herd on Locked on Sunbelt. Really appreciate your time, Luke. I'm sure we'll catch up again. Thank you so much. Yep, no problem. Thanks very much for tuning in to Locked On Sunbelt. Sincerely appreciate the ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts. Keep them coming. Uh, we will be back Monday, and I'm going to tell you right now, we are really going to focus on the battle for the belt, especially if Troy and South both win. Uh, the Western Division will basically be up for grabs uh, next week, and that'll be on Thursday. Uh, again, have a great weekend, and thanks again for listening to Locked On Sunbelt, your conference every day.